1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we're talking about strong women. What makes one? And is it time to retire the phrase? Plus, we meet the amazing Laura Dodsworth. You might have seen her work. She's the woman who photographed 100 vulvas. We talked to her about why she did it and how the project has changed her sex life. Underwear, armpit hair,
0: many imitators, but no one prepares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio.
3: One, two, three, four.
0: So, 2019, Emma, what does it mean to you to be a strong woman? Do you know what? I'm not a big fan of the word strong. Mm. Because Why I not? think for a long time, we've been thinking that equality is about us being fitting in with masculinity. So it's like we've had this sort of one dimensional culture that says a certain thing is. Uh, leading and successful and that's about being strong and I'm like why can't we define ourselves you, you said it earlier you went brilliant mm-hmm. women I was like yeah why is it why are we not just called brilliant women why do we have to be strong why is it to be successful we've got to put some kind of masculine term in front of it why can't we just be feminine and badass. Nat do you like the term strong women?
4: Yes and I'm a strong woman <laughs> and I, I yeah, don't I, know why you've I, got a problem with it. What is wrong? Why are we just rejecting all forms of normal words that have just been in the dictionary. No I really. A really long time no, i can be a strong woman i can also be a vulnerable woman i can also be crazy woman why can't can you just also- be a brilliant woman but i'm that too that thank you very much and badass i don't want to be a strong uh, there's woman there's nothing wrong with being be a strong woman let's not just let's calm down let's Hang just on. calm can we- down i've just looked
0: up strong Having the power to move heavy weights or perform other physically demanding tasks. Yeah, I can do that. Able to withstand <laughs> force, pressure tomorrow. or wear. Yeah, do that. Uh, that's Two. it. So why are yeah. we using the strong? It doesn't even fit. Well... Luckily, our next guest has created a whole series <laughs> yeah.
2: in the Metro around strong women. Natalie, thanks so much for joining us. Natalie Morris. Well, obviously,
5: she's Hello. got a great names. So.
2: Hello. Uh, so you can see we're a bit divided about the concept of strong women. Mm. What does it mean for you?
5: Well, um, so my series, Strong Women, which is on metro.co.uk, is basically about redefining what it means to to be strong. So it's kind of about reclaiming the the label and i th- and one of you said that um that it's a masculine term and i don't necessarily think that that's true that i think Emma. that uh, yeah <laughs> I, I think i i think that um strength can be something that's feminine as well and i think that that is something that we have kind of um decided for ourselves that we associate only with men mm-hmm. i think that's why so many women shy away from the from the idea of being strong using the word strong and also you know doing you know physical activity for one like I think there's so many women who will shy away from going in the weights room or, or doing anything that they see as as masculine because that's what we've been taught because they don't want to appear as too manly or butch and I think that what what my series is doing is looking at these women who are kind of reclaiming it for themselves and, and and deciding for themselves what it means to be strong physically and mentally and emotionally and in every kind of element of their lives.
2: So I have this, I love the word strong, but I also feel slightly divided by it because mm. I felt like I spent a lot of my early life, probably up to my kind of uh, late 20s, early 30s, being strong. So I was... I had to be strong to deal with life. I had, couldn't show any weakness. I could never mm. admit anything was wrong. I had to get on with everything. It was important to be really strong. Yeah. And what inevitably happened with that was that I broke. Because you mm. can't be strong forever. That's just not life. You know, at some point we all have to kind of have a moment where we go, but I'm you're not You're taking strong, now. strong
4: as binary.
2: But that's the thing, right? Which <laughs> it's is not so binary So how do we start to see it as because it is binary, you're strong or you're weak, right? No. So no. how do we start to see it differently? Natalie, well, I'm
5: asking. Yeah. well i think that i think there is strength in vulnerability and mm-hmm. strength in admitting your weaknesses and there is strength in asking for help i don't think strength right. necessarily means you have to do everything on your own not ask for help you know put on this mask or this veneer and pretend mm. everything's fine um yeah. and i think that in order to to reclaim this idea of strength as women it's about Showing that there isn't one kind of strength, and that there is—you mm-hmm. know—you you know these things. There's the strength in numbers, and I think that's mm, very true for the point. kind of—I suppose the more feminine idea of strength is that the strength in, you know, in groups of women coming together, helping each other out, admitting when they need help. And I think that is—that is a huge thing. A lot of the women mm-hmm. I've spoken to in this series have have talked about like these huge, these huge, huge struggles they've, they've come come through, and their turning points to to finding their inner strength was a lot of the time admitting when they were at their lowest point whether that was depression Mm -hmm. or dealing with grief or bankruptcy and all these different obstacles that these women have overcome they said that the strongest point when they decided to to come to the other side of it and realize just what they had inside them Mm -hmm. was the moment they accepted that and they knew that they they admitted to themselves they didn't have to pretend anymore and and they asked for help and they, they did something about it their strength was saying okay this is going wrong, this is going wrong I can't cope with this anymore what am I going to do about it and I think that's where the real strength comes in, mm. Mm. Natalie.
0: Tell us a bit more about this series. I know I've challenged you on calling it strong, but I think anything that's profiling <laughs> brilliant women is is brilliant. But can you thing. tell me a bit more about how it's come about and and why you wanted to have this particular uh, angle on strong women?
5: Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I completely get where you're coming from as well with the with the label of strong, and I do want to challenge the idea that 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 we have to be strong. It's not it's not necessarily about that. But what this series is about is Looking at, and it is really in terms of kind of physical and mental strength, but really with a focus on like fitness and activity, which I know is something that is, doesn't come naturally to so many women, especially as we get older, when we get into adult life, we have children, it's something that becomes secondary and it's so important. And basically, I think there's a huge kind of fear that puts women off being active going to the gym, doing sport, whatever it is. And I think a lot of that comes down to a fear of judgment and a fear of being, you know, not being perceived in the way they want to be. So, you know, 75% of women are being put off from from being active because of, you know, fear of being judged. And that only increases when you get into... Different you know minorities of women when you talk to bame women Asian women, black women uh, you know only twenty one percent of Asian women are hitting the recommended levels of fitness that they should be, and I think a lot of that is down to the, the the perception that we have and and the advertising and the materials that are out there we're not seeing the strong women who are overweight we're not seeing the strong women who are older or who have disabilities or who have children and are fitting it in, in and around the school, and we don't see them. They're not on social media. They're not on the big posters and the and the adverts. Um, so you get this kind of idea that in order to be fit and strong and to love your body, you have to be, you know, a size six Instagram model mm-hmm. clad in Lycra. And if you're not that, that's somehow wrong or shameful and you don't get to be strong you don't get to be fit and and what i want to do is is really redefine what what it means to be strong and to to challenge the the norms that we've that we've really taken on
0: yeah it's true isn't it i feel like gyms have become the new nightclubs do you yeah. know what I mean? I just feel like gyms are very intimidating mm-hmm. places, and there's a lot of time and money spent on outfits and looks rather Definitely. than actually let's just go down the gym, do some exercises, yeah. and then leave. So, yeah,
5: well, I think it's become really gentrified as well. It's become like the new cool thing. Everyone wants to spend all their money on these like fancy, um, you know, studios and boutique yeah. spinning classes. And, and I just want to take take out the the kind of elitism of it and make it you know re- make people make women realize that it is accessible and there's something that it's really important and something that everyone can and should be doing really
2: i think that's also something really interesting in showing women who are not uh i don't want to use the word succeeding who are not who don't look as we would imagine somebody who is a physically strong woman mm. to look because uh so last year I did this stupid injury to my foot that then turned out yeah. to be the biggest pain in the neck and the poor girls have had to hear about it for basically a year it's like, just very annoying um, and it became much, a much bigger mental struggle for me to walk to the tube station than it had yeah. ever been to go to a gym class and I'd been like congratulating myself on like going to a boxing class going to a spin class I was yeah. this super strong woman who could go and do that and suddenly I found myself in a position where actually the real strength was being able to walk to the shop or say, actually, I don't want to go out today, but I have to, so I'm going to go. Yeah. And I don't think that we talk about that enough when we talk about women's physicality, that actually it's not about can you do this thing that somebody has put on a pedestal is an amazing, difficult thing to do. It's can you do the thing that feels difficult for your life right now?
5: Yeah, completely, completely. It's all relative, you know. No one's saying you have to be able to do an ultra marathon, and that's mm-hmm. that's the reason that makes you a fit, strong woman. That's not that's not it at all. And it's exactly what you say. It's about it's about overcoming your own personal challenges, doing something that takes you out of your own comfort zone, and something that you can be proud of individually. Whether that is, you know, taking the stairs in your office instead of getting the lift, or yeah. whether that is Signing up for a half marathon, what, you know, whatever your level, whatever you're at, I think that's that's the key thing, and it is about finding, you know, where you fit on that scale, and, and and there isn't one, you know, tick box strength category for everyone. So definitely about finding, and and also finding what you love as well, because I think so many women get caught up in this idea that fitness is about weight loss and it's about keeping your body looking a certain way, and you have to do it, and it becomes a chore and that just sucks the fun out of it and it sucks the life out of it and i think if you can find something that you actually enjoy it completely changes the dynamic and your relationship with fitness altogether because i think so many people also developed quite a negative relationship with fitness from pe at school and they had horrible time and they didn't want to bring their kid to school and it was awful and you know, and you have to get changed and there are boys and it's horrible. Um, and I think people carry that into adulthood. And it's such a shame when there are there are so many different things that you could be doing. You know, you can be playing sport with your mates. You can go to classes. You can and do stuff so in your living room. This this yeah.
4: is where, you know, I don't want to knock the shininess of of the gym. Because uh-huh. actually, if it wasn't for the shininess, and I'm looking at Emma here, if it wasn't for <laughs> the, the, the shininess of, of the gym, I wouldn't have got into to fitness a few years ago. Uh, Mm. and my my physicality my mental health everything is so much better as a result because for me going to a gym that literally was weights and some running machines didn't appeal actually the experience of music and Mm. being able to make it something i can do with my friends Mm -hmm. and actually having that gloss appeal works for someone like me and from that i learned I started running and from running and I'm doing a half marathon tomorrow and I'm a below average runner. I will be in the back. I'm always like in the last percentile of all of the runners in all of my races. But I don't race to win. I'm just running. And as long as I put one foot in front of the other, it's okay. And so I don't want, I don't think we should be knocking anything. I don't think anything's binary in the same way that I think it's okay to say strong. And in saying strong, it doesn't imply weak. Ultimately, we should just be celebrating the fact that women do things in completely different ways. And as long as we're moving forward and as long as we know how to get back up after some kind of struggle, then we're winning. But I feel like we, we, we're starting to knock things or, no, or th- be anti things.
2: I don't think we are. I think where we've got to is a place where we have started to see uh, the elitism that sits in a lot of that so but
4: elitism and commerciality go hand in hand
2: but that's a reality right and Which so is for the unfortunate you can, if you, you can afford co- to go to a lovely glossy gym but bit. if you're somebody on a low income who can't afford to go to a lo- lovely but, glossy gym
4: no that's not true because community gym dream- gyms are just as glossy and just as affordable
2: no come yes, on they are. Not. Not <laughs> they are. Like, if you not. go to a community
5: gym they're not they are they're not if you go to your local <laughs> leisure center you're not getting the full you're not you know, getting bags. the, the I, laundry i
0: live in newham one of the poorest boroughs and i've got to say our local gyms they are, are really really better, good i better live in Smith, one, lo- one of the
2: richest boroughs
0: and let me tell you it ain't that glossy at
4: the council gym
2: <laughs> it's very nice they've got great equipment they're lovely people they yeah. look after you but it's
4: not it's not the. it's not the same experience i think those gyms are perfectly fine but again it yeah, goes perfectly it, fine They're perfectly, fi- perfectly and the classes fine. are great the it's music's different. great no they've got spin
2: studios but you just said you wouldn't go to one because it wasn't glossy enough for you
4: i wouldn't go to you just said that i wouldn't go to you one i wouldn't go to one that didn't offer those sorts of services so i wouldn't go to one that yeah. didn't offer me bikes and music and instructors that encourage you or instructors that didn't look like i wanted to look i wouldn't absolutely but and that's most, fine but there's an there's an elitism that within that a, a commercial yeah a commercial yeah. elitism yeah
5: there is but i think i think that's i think what you're saying is, is totally valid and but what what I'm getting from this is that you've just got to find what works for you and like I I love a fancy class like I will I will spend yeah, my money yeah. on, on some ridiculous brunch with my friends and then go to this you know 20 30 pound spinning class because it's fancy and shiny and I love that but again like, it's not accessible to everyone if you don't live in London if you don't have a certain mm-hmm. amount of money you can't do that and I think it doesn't mean that those classes are bad I love that they exist I am a big fan but also you want to be able to the mums who don't have a Sunday to go and you know go off and book an hour for this class and all these different people you want it to just be that they can find whatever works for them so like if if you love those classes but also you love you know you're doing a half marathon tomorrow that's amazing you know if you can do both then that's great and it's definitely not about knocking anything it's just about making it accessible and making it thing that all women can do and and at a level that they find enjoyable really
2: Natalie what has been some of the reader response to this because I'm thinking about a story that wasn't in the metros in the US a few weeks ago and it is a woman who is I would say sort of a size 16-ish but she is very very fit she's an ultra marathon runner Mm -hmm. extremely fit but she says every time she posts anything about... Every time she posts anything about her fitness or any time she goes out for a run, she has abuse held at her. And they say, you know, you shouldn't be running. What are you doing? If you were really an ultra marathon runner, you'd be losing weight. All these mm-hmm. things. And it, she posted this fantastic post which featured her lifting some incredibly heavy weights while eating Cheetos, which was my favorite <laughs> thing ever. Um, but I just... I wonder if, you know, the aspiration that we all understand what it means to be a strong woman, it doesn't matter what you look like, is there. But the reality is we judge people based on their externals.
5: I think we definitely do, 100%. And I, I see that in, in anything, well, in anything any woman posts online ever. That's all, mm-hmm. that's the first response. And I think that that is definitely at the forefront of my mind with this series and it's something that, like, we really need to tackle because it, it, we have to. We have to get away from this idea that that strength is tied up completely with aesthetics. I think that's completely misguided, and we, we're we're just wrong on a lot of it. And you know, particularly around a lot of the stuff around weight and saying that if you're a certain weight, that means you're, you know, instantly unhealthy. I don't think that's true at all. And the, so the the woman who was in my first um, article is. Um, I think I think she's maybe a size 18 or 20, and she is um, a wild swimmer. She goes out swimming, and she's, you know, she says she doesn't have any illusions that she's the best swimmer out there, but she says she's strong and that she, you know, she does she does distances that I could I can only dream of. And I think what what she she says she gets comments like that all the time of people assuming she can't do something or assuming she's not going to be very good because of how she looks. And that's something we really need to away from because it's just not the reality. But you know, we're always going to get trolls whenever we post online. That's that's just that is just how it works. And I don't know how we we're going to get away from that. To be honest, seems very ingrained.
2: Oh, one day. One day, maybe. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Natalie Morris, Morris, Senior Lifestyle Writer at the Metro. Her series on strong women is up now. Do go check it out, metro.co.uk. Coming up next, have you been watching Shipwrecked? If so, we're going to be talking to Big T. You'll be hearing all about her story from childhood to now. She is next here on Badass Women's Hour XL.
0: The Vampire strikes back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio.
2: Welcome to the studio. The fabulous Laura Dodsworth, photographer extraordinaire, uh, author of a new book, Womanhood The Bare Reality, which is a let's call this large photo journal of a hundred women's. I'm going to say vulvas. I'm well going done. To say
1: that. Yes. It's exactly. They are vulvas. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs>
1: Laura, tell us first of all how did the project come about? Well, it's um, it's the third in a series. Although I have to say, I never thought I'd do this. Um, so first of all, I photographed and interviewed a hundred women about breasts, and then after that, I thought, mm, "Hang on, I need to get to know men better." So I photographed and interviewed a hundred men about their manhood and their manhood. And after I did that, The Guardian described me as a champion for penises and men. And I thought, this is really interesting. I, here I am, a card-carrying feminist, and I'm a champion for penises. How did this happen? Um, and I realised I really wanted to do the same thing for women. I read about a report about FGM in the UK. made me feel really sick. And I read about girls as young as nine going to their doctors to ask about labiaplasty. And I just thought, no, you know, how have we come to this, that we've got such unrealistic ideas about how we look? So, yeah, I set out to photograph 100 women's vulvas, just to show what real vulvas look like, because I think a lot of young women these days are comparing themselves to internet porn. That's the point of reference, if yep. you Google. Um, and to talk to them about what their vulvas and vaginas mean to them, because they're quite definitive parts of our bodies and our mm-hmm. lives as women. And... That's, yeah, that's where the idea came from, crazy as it is.
2: (laughs) What was it? Okay, first of all, how did you find 100 women who signed up to this?
1: Actually, do you know, that wasn't hard. I thought it would be because when I pitched this to my publishers, they said it's a great idea, Laura, but... Really? Are you going to find mm. 100 women? <laughs> and it's one of those moments I wanted to be really confident because I wanted the commission. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And inside I was thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to find them. It wasn't too bad. I think because it's my, it's my third project, there's a bit of trust. But I really think right now there's something going on in the culture. You know, we're in the wake of B2, and there's always stuff about reproductive rights in the media, there's mm-hmm. more about period poverty. I just think at the moment there's a lot coming up and it feels like a really, really good time for women's stories, women reclaiming their body. And I just put out some different call-outs, different women's groups. I sent out emails. I did some social media requests. And I got 100 women really quickly. Wow. Yeah. How how was it for you?
2: I mean, obviously you've been photographing various body parts for a while now. Mm. But how did it feel for you to be doing that?
1: Well, it felt different to photographing men, Mm -hmm. Um, both done, you know, really professionally and sensitively, I should just say, because people might be wondering what this is like. It's Mm -hmm. all in a studio. Um, Honestly, it did feel a bit awkward. I felt a bit self-conscious to begin with the first shoots because it's really intimate. It's really vulnerable. You know, our, our vulvas are very tucked away, aren't they? You only see them if you're in a medical context or with a lover. And so for me to be kneeling in front of a woman photographing her vulva did feel really intimate and vulnerable. But my, I felt like my job's just to make sure they feel okay. Honestly, by the time I got to 100, <laughs> really, really blasé. Um, but I photographed myself. I'm in it. And yep. um, I tested my setup on myself probably about 20 times. And I, the
0: first time I took my own picture, I felt a bit self-conscious. Yeah, there's a lot of people who probably even haven't looked at theirs. You know, because it takes quite a lot of effort to get a of you down there doesn't it really (laughs)
1: totally I mean a lot of women hadn't ever looked at themselves before if you Mm. want to look at yourself you've got to kind of do an awkward bum shuffle up to a mirror haven't you I mean it's 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 tricky it's tricky to get a good angle and light on it so even if women (laughs) had looked at themselves before when they looked at themselves on the back of my camera Mm. for a lot of women this was Mm. quite a big moment you know their hands were shaky and somehow I became the vulva expert and women were asking me if they were
0: normal wow wow
1: you know, some, some women were really quite nervous about it.
0: So I want to ask you about the title of the book, Womanhood. Mm. And just in terms of uh, with a lot of the women's marches, there was a lot of outcry about talking about women and talking about body parts. And with the title of the book, Womanhood, and the fact that you've got vaginas in there, are there any transgender gender? Uh, vaginas in the book vulvas in the book yes there are um right I got I I was thinking about this because you
1: are not the first person to ask me but I tell you something that's interesting when I brought out manhood my second book nobody asked me Wow. Okay. Mm. nobody asked me about this at all and I think this brings me to a bigger point which is that women's bodies are much more contested and Mm. much more policed Mm -hmm. women having agency about their bodies is much more interrogated Mm. so yes it's called womanhood you have to give the title artistic license this is a conversation about what it means to be a woman, but all my work, in all my work, I really like to bring in a lot of different voices to make the conversation interesting. So there's a post-operative transsexual woman; that is how she describes herself. There are also two non-binary women, um, and that's also another interesting angle to bring in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's there's this, there's a lot of different types of sexualities, ideas about gender, and women from all different backgrounds in there
4: what was the debate uh when you released manhood talking about manhood did it automatically go to toxic masculinity or was was it a different conversation because i think it's interesting the questions that you're asked around womanhood i think it's partly because as women asking we're uh hopefully more curious, more inqu- inquiring uh, and more sensitive to everyone else. Uh, but it, I'm keen to know what, what did people say about manhood?
1: I think that, well, that, what a terribly interesting question. <laughs> no one's <asking laughs> that. I think you're right. Um, actually. And at the time there was, there was conversation about toxic masculinity then, you know, that was when that came out, there was all the pussy grabbing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so people were asking me about that. And it's a very, it's a very soft, vulnerable book. Mm. Um, I think in general, it, it, in general, men don't talk about their inner world yeah. in the same way women <laughs> do, and so some of the topics in womanhood might not be as surprising as manhood because in manhood you're like, whoa, I've never heard men talk like this before. Mm. It was very intimate, very vulnerable, and the conversations went more along, you know, people were talking about mental health mm-hmm. and toxic masculinity, and I think with womanhood, although. You know, we know as women that we're going to bring up conversations like periods or. I'm just going to apologize for anyone who heard uh, the kind of P word there. We're just
2: going to keep it on vagina. Yeah. sure sorry sorry that yeah. was what it was i know that that's... is what it was called yes and we didn't start that that was started by the president of the united states so blame him send, yeah. send your letters
1: to offcon to him thanks <laughs> apologies Got there done. were quotation marks around yeah. that when yeah. yeah. i said yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Sorry. yeah. okay yeah. sorry fine. about yeah. that um so in womanhood i think what's a lot more controversial is that um the vulva is often contextualized just as sexual mm. yeah so, you know if you if you mm-hmm. google you are going to find sexual content and what's radical about this is that women are sharing the pictures and the stories on their own terms. So they talk about everything that comes up. Mm. And that's what's a bit more controversial this time.
0: It's that agency and ownership. Mm. Was in, across the book, is there a general theme of the women in the book loving their lady gardens? I would like to hope that they were loving their lady gardens. Were there a lot of love for them or was it a bit mixed?
1: I think there's a real mix. Um, there are women in there who don't like what they've got. There's a woman in there who had labiaplasty. Her story is super interesting. There are women who are a bit like, I don't really care what it looks like. It does what I need it to. It feels very good. And there are women who are like, oh my goodness, she's so pretty. And they loved <laughs> looking at the picture. So there's a, re- there's a real mixture. Because, you know, there's no, there's no singular female experiences there. Mm. Um, women, mm. there was a total range. And there were women who'd never looked before. And women who were very familiar with how they
4: looked. The thing that I noticed was how much, and we've had this conversation before, how much uh, hair there was in that area. I'm of a generation where Hollywood's is the all thing, off. all off, uh, or Brazilians, pretty much all off, but versus ber- landing strip. So opening, it, I was like, "There's a, there's a, there's a lot of hair here." I know Emma's a, a full bush fan. No, well, hang on, I'm just, I feel like. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on,
0: hairstyles out. I, I mean, just... you know, there's totally the going, going on. on the there's, ta- there's uh, it's not wild down there. <laughs> just for any,
4: no, but it's the first thing. It's the first thing I noted. I was like, oh. And you said that that's one of the things that that um you noted as well. And so maybe yeah. it do- Maybe there is a resurgence in people reclaiming
1: their hair. I think so. I think so. So when I started, I was like, oh my goodness, if everybody's bare, I don't feel like that's a good message that needs to be mm. mixed. So I grew my are there any words I can't I grew quite a fulsome bush let's say because I thought you know I've got to do the feminist thing here and like there's got to be there's got to be somebody with hair and actually there was a lot more hair than I thought and I I feel quite hopeful about that I feel like in general women are feeling you know they're making more of a real choice Mm. about what they want I hope I think there are a few younger women who who feel more under pressure Mm. to be bare because they'd feel like boys would young men would um, criticise them or talk to their mates about them if they didn't. But, yeah, there was more hair than I was expecting. I think there's a real mix when Great. you look at the pictures.
2: Oh. Well, we're going to keep talking to Laura uh, after the break. Particularly, uh, Laura, I'm going to ask you about uh, what it feels like to be mansplained about vulvas on Twitter. <laughs> oh, let's go there. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about that. Plus, so I want to hear about some of the amazing stories in the book. There's one woman who had a vulva cancer. But it's just incredible stories. All of that coming up here on Badass Women's Hour XL.
0: The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass
3: Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50
2: Laura, before the break, I said I wanted to talk to you about mansplaining on Twitter. Now, this week on Twitter, a, the Guardian wrote an article about your book, and it blew up into a huge Twitter controversy. And that was because uh, the Guardian published it, uh, published this tweet with um, something saying "a hundred vulvas." Yeah, one woman publishes a book about them, something like that, and a man retweeted it with, "I think you'll find that should be vagina." For anyone who is not clear, first of all, give us the official definition of a vulva and a vagina. What are we talking about? Oh,
1: you've asked the right person. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, well, I didn't photograph vaginas. I'd have needed an endoscope. The vagina is the muscular <laughs> tube. It's the birth canal. It's the bit you'd put a penis into. It, the vulva it's is the inside. external part. So labia, clitoris, the opening to the urethra. That's where you're from. It's the whole of the external part, the vulva. That's what I photographed. When he tweeted that, ah, I wasn't surprised. I was expecting some tweets Mm. along those lines. I wasn't really going to get involved. Yeah, but the thing is, in the book, you know, women are talking... Women mm-hmm. are talking about their vulvas and yep. their vaginas. And a lot of people do use the word quite interchangeably. They, use, they say vagina because mm-hmm. there's a lot of embarrassment about what to call it. I mean, one thing I asked every woman is what do you call it? And a lot of women actually just try to avoid a word at all or they use some kind of euphemism. So, yeah, that really blew up. It was quite funny. Um, but then, you know, there's a film coming out on Tuesday called 100 Vaginas on Channel 4 based mm-hmm. on the project. Please watch it Tuesday oh, ten o'clock. Amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. It's there's never been anything like it on TV, and so then that comes out, and people say to me, "Well, you said they're called vulvas, <laughs> and now the film's called hundred vaginas." So I've kept quite quiet during the whole thing. <laughs> um, but you know, the fact is, Channel Four took the decision to call it that because that is the word in in common parlance. So mm. I had a bit of sympathy for um, for that man. But it was the way he carried on, wasn't it? He just, he just couldn't on. let it he? go. Right, he could okay. not
2: let it go. Ladies, what do you call it?
0: Um, A vagina.
2: Yeah, vagina. Yeah. call it
0: vagina. Yeah, or lady garden. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it is cute. It's Thanks. cute. <laughs> Very cute.
2: Um, Laura, for most of the women taking part in this project, was it the first time they had sort of got up close and personal? And what was the
1: what were the emotions that came up for them within that this is a super emotional project out of my three projects this brought up the most emotion it did for the women and then it did for me i think it's because for the women the reveal was to themselves so our vulvas are tucked away in our pants you know you don't you don't see them it's quite hard to see them like we're saying it's an awkward bum shuffle up to a mirror Mm -hmm. if you want to have a look to be confronted with the physical reality really opened up all the taboos that go alongside it all the social and emotional taboos it was so the the interviews were so emotional i mean there were some very very funny stories some extremely juicy stories and then a lot a lot of emotion came up i mean for instance rape and assault this felt so relevant in the wake mm-hmm. of me too Um, I'd be talking to somebody about something really light, really funny, and then they'd just mention they'd been assaulted in the past. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. It brought up all the big stuff. So I
2: have just finished reading a fantastic book um, called Vagina by Naomi Wolf. And in it, she talks about how actually a lot of our kind of neurons and nerves connect throughout our entire spine. So actually, because of how our vulvas and vaginas are situated, if we are, if they're abused, if we are raped, if they experience some level of violence, actually all those nerves are connected all the way back up to our brain. Mm. And there's a m- huge emotional connection that we don't talk about. Yeah. We don't think about. And um, I was saying last week that I run, I attempt to talk about this a lot. I've talked about it a lot in the last couple of weeks. I run a sex course and we get mm. pe- we get women to actually look at their mm. vaginas for the first time. And it brings up huge emotions for them, mostly because people haven't, mm. because people tend to ignore it, because people tend to not think about it. And I just wonder if perhaps there is a piece of education that needs to happen at a much younger age where we stop feeling so
1: ashamed of them. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I honestly, if I'd seen this book when I was in my teens, I I think my whole life would have been different. Mm. It will sound dramatic, but it's not just looking at the pictures and knowing what people look like there's this connection to our deep selves it's going to sound really arty farty but the way it works (laughs) is you take the photograph of the taboo part of the body it opens up all of these big emotions and stories I'm not surprised about what you're saying from those courses you go on because that's kind of what I experienced when I interviewed these women and I don't know about the science of what's in Naomi Wolf's book Vagina amazing but I read it too but I get that kind of sense talking to women as well. And there's a way in which I experienced that personally. The process of creating this changed me in lots of ways, but one would be sexually. I'd say that I feel sexual pleasure differently and better since womanhood because it made me confront things in myself. I can't promise everyone's going to have better orgasms. Anyway. <laughs>
4: but but you never know. They, they might do. I do. <laughs>
0: Buy it and see. Buy it and see. It's worth a try, isn't it? It's so the only thing
4: I agree with you, H, but the only thing I'm going to challenge on is I think the taboo is still nakedness. And so in, in varying forms, more so for women, obviously. Uh, and when we do see nakedness, it's either in humour in protest something you know someone running out on a football pitch absolutely starkers um and so it before we even start to say know what your vulva looks like or even know the difference between your vulva and your vagina and be okay with that we need to confront our own ability to just look at our bodies which is why i think it's brilliant that you started with breasts because breasts are sexualized in a way Mm. uh, that they can only ever be sexual but actually they're really important because they keep babies alive too Mm. or what's in them keeps babies alive so i think it's a full kind of body deconstruction is is that whole Mm. that we we need to do and i don't think you can do one from the other i think it has to be the whole thing
1: I think that's re- that's really interesting, and that's kind of how the, the the projects evolved for me. I never thought I'd photograph a hundred women's breasts. That was never a plan I did, and I, looking back, I'm not surprised I started there. In a way, there are most public private parts. You know, yeah. you see tits everywhere, yeah. but God, you mustn't Forest show tits. you. Re- Okay, oh, sorry. i again. There's we're, a lot of restrictions. But you, but you mustn't not, uh, somebody not say that. You know, before God's I sake. came on, you probably should have run through the words with me. I, I didn't know.
2: I'm so sorry. It's Saturday night yeah. and we've all got carried away. Apologies. Yes. Beg your
1: pardon. But, um, yeah, us. I mean, there are most public-private parts. You can see them everywhere. Billboards, you mm. know, page three. Mm-hmm. Not that mm-hmm. long ago. Mm-hmm. But you mustn't show your own. Mm. And then I can see how it progressed to, ultimately, what is the most taboo body part. Mm. There isn't any part of the body that is as loved and lusted after, yet also feared, yeah. mm-hmm. hated and controlled, mm-hmm. as the vulva and the vagina.
2: Mm. So oh, my true. gosh. So true. <gasps> so true. Um, Laura, within the book, we need to make clear. It's not just uh it's it's not just pictures they're also women's stories yes um one of the ones i said earlier that really got me was reading about a woman who has had her uh, cancer and how her relationship with that part of her body has changed because of it mm. what
1: were the ones that stick out for you i love her story i'm glad you brought her up actually and I want to say that although she's got a really, really sad story mm-hmm. because of that, no one in the book is just a victim. She talks yeah. about how much she loves sex yeah. and how much she's had sex and it's been amazing since surgery. So, you know, there's light and shade with everybody. She stands out. I mean, I, I finished the book with an FGM survivor. I felt it was really important that somebody who's survived FGM mm-hmm. has the last word in this. And, you know, her last kind of rallying cry is hands off our vaginas. Mm -hmm. Um, Her story is incredibly moving. There's a 77-year-old in there and I'd like to order the kind of menopause she had. She said she's got... Oh, God, I don't know if I can say this. She has um, an item she uses at home which goes like a lawnmower. <laughs> that's beautifully described, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she still loves masturbating and sex in her 70s. And I'm like, yes, that's, I'll, I'll be having one of those menopauses. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Um, there's a woman in there who's 47 and a virgin. You know, that's quite a standout story because mm. for her, in a way, she was trying to reboot her life by taking part yeah. she's trying to really open up mm-hmm. to me but really to herself to let herself be more vulnerable so she can open up to relationships mm-hmm. but th- you know that's kind of an unfair journalisty type question Harriet because <laughs> the, you know the, <laughs> there's there's so many there's so many amazing stories in there it's quite hard to pit favorites I, I could keep going they yeah what are you going to do next I'm not quite sure if I'm honest I'm still in this mm-hmm. um Looking back now, the three projects taking taken me five years. Mm. I've photographed over 300 men and women about their bodies and their lives. It's been it's been quite a long project. I'm really excited about this book being out now. I'm really excited about 100 vaginas on Channel 4 on Tuesday. And then I'm not quite sure. I think I just need to land from mm. this and see where I go next. But I, there are a few things that have come up for me in this project that I would I would definitely be interested in exploring more. That would be female pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that kind of links on from this. Yeah,
2: well, now you know how to up your orgasms, just take lots of photographs. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely start exploring that.
1: Um, yeah, I've got a few ideas, but well, watch this space. I'm not sure, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Thank you so
2: much. Uh, fabulous Laura Dodsworth, her book, Womanhood, uh, is out now. And 100 vaginas is on channel 4 at 9pm on tuesday is that right 10 10pm 10pm 10 oh. on tuesday uh, laura we have loved chatting to you thank you so much for coming in apologies if some of the language from both laura and myself was not entirely on it although i'm gonna say most of that language was created by men so guys if it offends you exactly that's on you <laughs> One,
0: two, three, four.
2: this has been the badass women's hour podcast with me harriet minter natalie campbell and ms sexton if you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's out-
3: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig.
2: HR, um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should
4: do it.